Greetings and welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth with Mike Grimes. Hey, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about the Reformation Study Bible. Big topic, important topic. We love the Reformation Study Bible. We promote it. We utilize it. We sell lots of copies at our church. And we have an expert in the Reformation Study Bible with us. That we do. I'm just going to go out on a limb, Mike, and say I would imagine that no one knows more about the Reformation Study Bible next to R.C. Sproul than our guest. But we can't introduce him yet. We need to touch base. Mike, you were on a different flight than I was on? I was, yes. Right? We're staying in Red Eye this morning. Different hotels, different rental cars. We haven't really talked, so I have one question for you. What's that? And the one question, you know what it's going to be. I'm I'm guessing uh, I know what it okay. is. Okay, what did you order? Okay, it was the double double with grilled onions, and then I, I changed it up for once. I've never done animal style fries. Oh, and so I said, let's give it a go. Let's really live it up this time. And I went for the animal style. I think it changed my life. <laughs> you know what? Well done, it well was done. Amazing, right? So uh, we don't like theological gnosticism, but <laughs> we on the Pactum we like culinary gnosticism. Yes, because you ordered things that aren't even on the menu. That's right, secret menu type stuff. It's so much fun. I make my kids order things that are not on the menu. You have to get fries well done. You have to get a Neapolitan shake. You have I to get something. Did that. Oh, all right, we might have to ask our guest in a little while when we introduce him. We can't let him talk yet because he hasn't been introduced. If he likes culinary Gnosticism or not, or if he's even an in-and-out fan, in and out fan. You got it. Right. All right. Well, we had better move on to more serious things. Uh, our guest today on the Pactum is the president of Ligonier Ministries. He is also the chief executive officer and has been serving in ministry with Ligonier since 2004. I know him to be a kind man who is passionate about promoting and protecting biblical Christianity. It is indeed a blessing to have him on the show today. Our guest is Chris Larson. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the Pactum. It's great to be with you all, and I'm already hungry. Oh, good. So you are an In-N-Out fan? I'm all in. Okay. Oh, Absolutely. You are. Animal style? Yes. Grilled onions, the whole works? The whole business. All right. Have you yes. ever ordered fries well done? I have not, but uh, now I know a new higher knowledge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a way to impress your friends. Right? I'm in. Okay, good. Now, since we are talking about food, before we talk about that Bible, I know you are a graduate of the University of Central Florida. Is that right? That's right. UCF? Go Knights. Okay. So, have you ever eaten pizza from Lazy Moon Pizza over there by the campus? I've not. I don't know if it was there when when I was there. No, I don't think it probably was, but I think it's worth your list. All right. Lazy Moon Pizza. I will trek over there. Delicious. Maybe get some of the fresh mozzarella. Okay. I mean, the the slices are the size of maybe half of this table. They really are, but you have to be careful. It's not because of the size. It actually is is high quality. It is good. So it's over on, I think, University Avenue. Yep. Really close. Okay. My son used to be a wakeboarder, and uh, one of his coaches was a student, and so he would always take us there. So insider knowledge, it's, it's worth it. Thank you. I'll La- check that out. Lazy moon. <laughs> okay, let's move forward and talk about – let's talk about you first, Chris. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to be the, the president of Ligonier uh, and to be associated for so long. Uh, wow, that's a big question. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that I, I feel as being president of Ligonier is a weight of stewardship. <laughs> um, not that – you know, it all rests upon me. Sure. Uh, I'm not delusional enough to think that. But uh, just recognizing that this is a ministry that's been uh, used by the Lord for over five decades now. Amazing. And Dr. R.C. Sproul's ministry um, has been a great blessing. 
uh, to the church uh, around the world. And you know, being able to see that work now expand into many different languages and different contexts around the world, I think that's the part that gets me most excited these days. And so I feel a weight of stewardship, but I also feel like I'm the most privileged man in the world to be able to serve, and uh, I count it a high honor. It's really interesting to watch, Chris, the ministry continue to develop and thrive and even expand, uh, no doubt even since RC went to glory. We didn't know exactly what to expect. Uh, Now, we worked and and planned and prayed uh, that the Lord would uh, continue the work as RC himself led the charge on succession strategy. And the Lord gave us uh, a good number of years, and he had seen some bad examples uh, of sure. other organizations and mm. churches that had not prepared well. Mm. And so we we did our best um, and tried to be as wise as possible, and our board has been wonderful. And uh, to see the ministry, yes, grow over the past five years uh, since R.C. went to be with the Lord, um, we're deeply encouraged by that because we know that uh, the historic Christian faith – is something that uh, we need to uh, hold aloft for the blessing of the church and for the well-being of right. the church. Right. So I think the first time – I'm trying to remember the first time I met you, uh, we had not spent any personal time together or anything like that. But I was graduating. It was at St. Andrews and I was walking back to my seat and you were seated in a pew and you looked at me and you said, congratulations, Pat. And I thought, that guy's a class act. Hmm. I thought you were just kind and generous, and we didn't really know each other. But you called me by my name, and uh, I've always thought very highly of you uh, as a result of that. So thank you. Thank you for being generous. I think that's very R.C. Sproul-ish to be kind. He was such a kind man. Uh, Incredibly kind man uh, Mm. and generous of spirit. And I think that's probably the the biggest thing we miss is Mm. just R.C.'s personality um, around the ministry. Sure, sure. Um, the way that he would just be able to crack a joke, kind of cut the tension, and uh, he was just an everyday guy, uh, or you know, like your favorite uncle that you'd want sure, to hang sure, around yeah. with. Um, <laughs> but your ministry, Pat, has been, I know, a, a great help uh, to many in your church, and we thank you for your faithfulness and longevity, and glad that uh, Ligonier could play a small part in uh, your own theological education. It was wonderful. I'm super grateful, and I'll always be grateful for that. So Hmm. praise the Lord. Amen. Let's start talking about the Reformation Study Bible. As I mentioned, we sell lots of copies at our our church bookstore, a no-profit, just trying to get it out there. Right. And uh, we recommend it all of the time, all of the time, and we utilize it. Uh, What was RC's vision behind that whole thing and getting it started? And tell us about that. Well, you hold me up there in the beginning as some sort of expert on this. Uh, <laughs> now, I have thought a lot about the Reformation Study Bible. I think you probably are an expert. Um, so, <laughs> so um, anyways, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of history. And a lot of this uh, predates um, uh, most of probably what your listeners would think of as the origins of okay. this project. This is going to be good. Yeah. This, this is, is going to be really insider good. Insider info. That's uh-huh. right. So the roots of this project started in the late 1980s. And I thought you were going to say in the 1500s, and I thought, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> well, um, it was that idea sure. of the fact that there had not been a Reformed study Bible produced since the late 1500s. I see. In the Geneva Study yeah, yeah, Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And there were uh, a few gentlemen, George Grant – Robert Wagamuth 
and Michael Hyatt, who approached R.C. with this idea hmm. of lending his name and overseeing the project as general editor for what was to be the new Geneva Study Bible. OK. So yeah. this, is, this is in 1980? Uh, late 1980s. OK. okay. So um, fast forward uh, to 1995 when the first edition is published under the new Geneva Study Bible. Right. And it was really just to be able to, again, offer to the modern American church at that time a restatement of Reformation truth sure. with study notes alongside the scriptures. And you had so many other study Bibles out there right. and there just was nothing from the Reformed tradition. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's fascinating. So my copy that I have actually says it's 2015, but what, what's the connection? Why did it go from the New Geneva to the Reformation Study Bible? So they launched 1995 and I, I remember I graduated college in 1995 and I used some of my graduation money to go to a bookstore in Tallahassee, Florida, where my my girlfriend and then my fiance and then eventually my wife was living, and I was up there doing an internship uh, for that summer. And um, I remember where I was. I walked in and I found the New Geneva Study Bible in black bonded leather, published by Thomas Nelson. Okay, yeah. were you looking for that, or you? Just oh, I was absolutely okay. looking right. for that. Good. I knew exactly what I was. It doing. was the effectual call. <laughs> That's right. I had already started well down the path of reformed uh, teaching, and uh, RC had completely you know, reoriented my theological trajectory as just being a student. And uh, it was a few years later that it was retitled the Reformation Study Bible. And I think the date is about 1998. Okay. okay. And I think it was a marketing move. I see. Thomas okay. Nelson re- recognized, okay, New Geneva Study Bibles maybe not catching sure. on quite as much. And yeah. so I think there was that idea of let's retitle this, reissue it, the Reformation Study Bible. That title was born. Yeah. 2005, Ligonier then acquires the rights to publish – the Reformation Study Bible in the English Standard Version. Mm. So ESV comes out around 2000, 2001. Okay. And so that was obviously gaining in popularity sure. as a popular translation. And so there was an opportunity to marry the notes with the ESV. So that was 2005. So were there any changes in the at actual that, content? At, at that moment, there were not. It okay. was just an updating. I see. So modifying it to go along with the text. So fast forward to 2015 – and this is a project that began in the mid-2000s, so about 2005, 2006. We began discussing Dr. Parsons, Burke Parsons brought mm-hmm. to RC the idea of a new project uh, to do a thoroughly revised edition of the Reformation mm-hmm. Study Bible, updating it with all the new exegetical insights um, and even archaeological insights okay. that have, have been developed um, over the past 20 years. Mm. And the impulse for the project, and this again is probably something that nobody really knows, the impulse was so that we could do a proper updating of this so that we could then translate it into multiple languages. Mm. Dr. Parsons had been down in Columbia, um, South America, and had been working with some pastors teaching them. And he saw them sharing a study Bible. It wasn't one of our study Bibles. It was another study Bible that was out there. And there was a group of pastors that shared one study Bible. Hmm. And each one would take this for a week and prepare a month's worth of sermons wow. because they didn't have a theological library. Hmm. 
They just had the study Bible. That's, that's, that's wild. It's kind of cool. And but so it's wild. he saw what was happening there and came back and reported to RC and to me and said, We need to update the Reformation Study Bible because mm-hmm. we don't want to just take what was done 20 years ago sure, yeah. and, and then translate it. Let's, let's do a proper reworking of this in English and then set to getting it translated into multiple languages. And wow. so. Uh, Ligonier, we do not do things quickly. We are not hasty, uh, just like the ints of Middle Earth. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we do try and do things well uh, with excellence. And so that's when R.C. and uh, a number of different individuals at Ligonier Ministries, Keith Matheson, Dr. Parsons, um, uh, Steve Nichols came along a few years later. Michael Morales um, uh, helped out uh, in being able to put together a really strong team Mm -hmm. of new editors to add to the original team of editors. And so that's what you have right now is the 2015 edition, which was an attempt to bring the best biblical scholarship updated. And that's where some of the articles came from, like the ones in the back? That's right. Right. Okay. Interesting. So what about languages since you brought that up? What what other languages uh, is the Bible in? So four other languages besides English right now. So German, Korean, Portuguese and Spanish. Okay. And underway right now is French and Arabic. Oh. So can you imagine? Yeah. Big, big projects. Yes. That's great. Uh, so we've got the translation teams. They're off and running. So look for those maybe in the next uh, couple of years, uh, Lord willing. Hmm. Uh, we were just in France for a conference and uh, we released another title by Dr. Sproul there in French. And what is interesting is to look at the growth of the French language when you mm. look at Africa. Mm. The French language right now, probably in the next 20, 30 years, will probably be the third most spoken language on earth Wow! because of the population growth in Africa. Africa yeah. Okay. And so we have a great desire to be able to serve the kind of where the gravitational center of global Christianity is going mm. in Africa. And so that's fueling a lot of our desires to get a, uh, the, the translations sure. going. Excellent. So, Chris, how about offering us some kind of insight behind the scenes kind of thing that we wouldn't know otherwise that we would find interesting? R.C. did the first draft on the notes for the book of James himself. Hmm. That's, um, that's not recorded anywhere. No. You have to listen to the Pactum to, to learn is. this kind of stuff. That's right. But uh, what you have with the notes in the study Bible, it's a consensus study Bible. So it was a deliberate decision to not attach an author's name mm. to any particular book of the Bible or book of notes. And so – Yes, I want to talk about that. But yeah. let's talk more about the James factor. Mm-hmm. So that was – R.C. just did all the notes for James? He did. And of course it went through the same review and editorial process uh, that all the other books did. But he uh, he worked directly on that. Good. I might like those notes even more now. Yeah, makes that's, me want to go that's good to know. Again, right? But as far as the consensus, is that what you call it, a consensus study Bible? It is. Okay. It is. Talk about that and talk about the, how that's a strength because so many times when I'm talking to someone about that Bible, I say, notice all of these names. And, you know, I'll highlight Graham Goldsworthy, Sinclair Ferguson, Michael Horton, Meredith Klein, Stephen Nichols, maybe names they're familiar with. And I say, this actually makes this Bible weightier. It makes it more significant. Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit if you would. Yeah, the, the study Bible, you know, it has R.C.'s name on it as general editor, but it doesn't stand or fall based on the work of one scholar okay. mm-hmm. and their life or their ministry or, and you know, what they've done in other areas and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, 
there was multiple contributors uh, that came together for the first edition back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Multiple contributors were added to the 2015 edition as okay. well. Mm-hmm. Did, they, did they ever get together in the same place at the same time or was it done through correspondence? Correspondence primarily. Okay. And okay. of course, in the internet age, everything was facilitated sure, yeah. a lot, lot easier. Okay. And the reality is we've even talked about, okay, maybe in another 10 years or so, it's going to be time to take another run at it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know, making sure that we're as tight as possible when it comes to biblical scholarship, editing, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you know, we're, we're reflecting you know, the, the consensus again of reform scholarship. And so uh, there's no celebrity uh, behind uh, the Bible sure. itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, really appreciate yeah. that. Um, and so when you have a consensus study Bible like this, you have hopefully a, a univocal testimony to the historic Reformed faith, mm-hmm. um, the you know, Catholic Christianity, mm-hmm. small sure. c, right. um, and that there would be something that uh, Presbyterians, Reformed, Baptists, non-denominational, people who uh, have a great appreciation for um, the theological truths that were recovered in the Reformation, which, of course, even calling it a Reformation study Bible – is a bit of a misnomer because the project that the reformers themselves considered themselves to be doing was a recovery effort of really the consensus of what the ancient church fathers sure. had taught. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's and, good. and so we're not even trying to hold up a golden age of the 1500s, 1600s. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, you know, like Warfield said, reformed Christianity is biblical Christianity. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, Chris, maybe you could – Talk about the study Bible as far as the Catholicity is concerned, uh, sort of like confessions. Uh, people have to argue about what goes in and what doesn't go in, even though there is difference. Uh, I find it fascinating that, that the Reformation study Bible has so much unity, even though there's clearly diversity among contributors. Ligeter Ministries, uh, in terms of the way that we express our statement of faith, uh, I think everybody would know, you know that we're coming from a pretty ardently Westminsterian uh, perspective. Yes. Mm. Um, if, you, if you prick us, that's really what we're bleeding. Right, <laughs> right. However, uh, because of the way RC formed the ministry as a teaching fellowship uh, mm. back in the 70s, it was always RC plus others mm. coming from different okay. perspectives and traditions. Um, and yet he wanted there to be a univocal presentation of reformed truth. Okay. And so – we we sit at that nexus, and sometimes people aren't all that happy with us because they want us to go farther um, in terms of trying to emphasize other distinctives. Right. But we do try and promote at a popular level uh, for lay people primarily uh-huh. that uh, what we have coming out of the Reformation is shaping for your life, shaping for the church and the church's worship. And uh, you even see with the way that the study Bible includes creeds and confessions from across millennia right. from different traditions. Right. And so you have the ancient creeds with the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, uh, Chalcedonian Creed. But then you also have uh, the three forms of unity. Mm-hmm. You have the Westminster Standards in there. You have the London uh, Baptist Confession right. as well. Um, and there is, I believe, great unity expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so you know, sometimes people would definitely want us to go farther in one direction or another. I mean it's, uh, it's pretty clear I think where the notes lean when it comes to uh, the covenant right. and baptism mm. and those types of perspectives. And so you know, some people may want to quibble and, and disagree, but you know, that's a conversation that like-minded brethren can have even if we want to differ – on some of the applications sure. of those truths. Yeah. And, and you're saying that's been built in the Ligonier ministry outlook all along since the beginning. Absolutely. Yes. And I think we've even doubled down on that even since RC um, has left the scene and changed his address, as he would like to say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, it, just to ensure that the ministry is staying faithful, true, that we're really not trying to do anything new here. Hmm. Uh, we're simply trying to continue and perpetuate the, the truth that the church has taught across millennia and we find just such beautiful harmony in the confessions themselves and you know, we live in an anti-intellectual age hmm. and can you imagine trying to get together enough pastors and scholars to write a new confession today? No. <laughs> right? Oh, it, I think the answer is no. Yeah, it, no way. I don't think it could be done. Huh. Yeah, it's true. And, and so I – kind of throw down the gauntlet, say, improve on Westminster. Now, my, my Reformed brethren, and again, for your listeners, they know what I'm speaking of, the technical term of my Reformed brethren, right, right. the three forms of <laughs> unity crowd. They would want to speak of the catechism, of course, <laughs> um, which I love. Uh, and, uh, and there's so much to commend and appreciate about uh, the 1689 London Baptist Confession sure. as well. Ligonier ministry is interesting to observe as far as it's very, very uh, narrow and particular, and R.C. is, you know, not not unclear. He speaks rather clearly, and yet there's so much diversity. I don't really know, but I'm fascinated by it. Maybe you have some insights regarding just how it all works and how it can be so inclusive in a good way. Yeah, I go back to something that R.C. jotted out on a little index card. You've probably heard this story back when he was a seminary student. Now, he went to a liberal seminary and John Gerstner was there and right. <laughs> the only lighthouse <laughs> for him um, during that time. But he jotted down on a little index card and set it up uh, where he would study. And he said, it is your responsibility to believe and preach what the Bible teaches, okay, not what you want it to preach or teach. Good, good. And um, – I think that's why people have been drawn to R.C. is because if you could prove to him that something was um, being said in a certain way from Scripture, his regard for the authority and inerrancy, the sufficiency of Scripture was such that he's going to be a student of the Scriptures. And so when you hear R.C. teach, when you read his writing, you're entering into the study with him as he is seeking to understand God's word. Um, my favorite part of the study Bible um, is probably R.C.'s introduction. Okay. Um, the I... articles in the back are great, but this introduction that he writes um, was back in the mid-'90s for the first edition. I'm just – could I read just, please, just a paragraph? Please do. Yeah. Please do. This is R.C., the Bible is a normative book. The church has rightly declared that the Bible is the norm of norms and without norm. 
A norm is a standard, a measuring rod by which things are judged. We may use many lesser standards to regulate our lives, but all such regulations must be subordinate to Scripture. To be the norm of norms is to be the superlative norm, the standard by which all other norms are measured. The Bible is not simply first among equals. Other standards have no parity with it. As Jesus is exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords, so we submit to his word as the norm of norms, the standard of truth, and the one infallible rule for the people of God. End quote. What I find amazing about that is that it makes me want to stand up and salute. Well, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right? It's in a study Bible with man's words. Hmm. Fascinating. Alongside of God's word. Uh-huh. So just El- the, elaborate I, on that. Well, yeah. I, I think even in the way that we've intentionally designed the notes to be in three columns and then the text of Scripture mm. in one column above, we want to make sure that there is a clear demarcation here between the Scripture mm. and mm-hmm. the notes. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier this anti-intellectual age that we're in right now, mm-hmm. and people can get confused. Um, they're, they're usually not as good of readers as we would hope, right. thanks to our public education system these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if they're beginning to study the scriptures, we want them to study the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And if we can help them in a moment of you know, uh, confusion, being a little word of clarity, mm-hmm. uh, be able to give some context to what they're reading, well, that's where we want to come alongside of them in the study notes. But uh, yeah, we, we clearly want to help people to know that it's the scripture that is God's word. Uh, a study Bible is helpful, but as R.C. was saying, it's the scripture that is the norm of norms I had and no without I, norm. I like it that you actually wanted the text layout to reflect that. Yeah. Absolutely. It was intentional. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Well, I, and that's part of the danger of study Bibles too is that people would be sitting there you know, listening to their pastor preach and then fact-checking him against sure. you know, the study Bible, whichever study Bible they right, might have. Yeah. Um, your, your minister has declarative ministerial authority in your life. Good insight. And mm-hmm. preaching is for those people at that time that you are preaching to for that congregation. And congregations need to be paying attention mm-hmm. to their preacher it's not your time to be doing Bible study. That's a great way to put mm-hmm. it. That's great. Now, yeah. I am wise enough to know that enough people at the church have a Reformation study Bible, so I do read the notes just so I'm <laughs> just aware, to sure. just to be sure. So yep. there is some wisdom in that. <laughs> Mark Dever uh, said back in the 2005 edition when he wrote a commendation for it, he said, I, I rarely preach without checking the notes yeah. first. <laughs> it, that, that's, a, that's a wise move. I yes. think that's yeah. good. Yeah. Very good. Let me turn this around and ask you a question. Um, that, that's not how this works. Well, this is the Pactum. This is our <laughs> podcast. But okay, Chris, since you idea. agreed to Go do the it. interview. As a pastor, how would you like to see your people using a study Bible? Hmm. Great question. I think I would like to see them using a study Bible, I guess in a, in a certain sense, like you described the difference between the notes and the text. I do want them to grapple with, meditate on before they quickly look at the notes. Uh, I think that's insightful and helpful. But I'm not one of those pastors who thinks people shouldn't have study notes. I want them to have the notes. I want them to know as much as possible. But there's something wonderful and glorious as a student of the Bible just to read the text and read the text and mark up the text and ask questions of the text Mm -hmm. and then try to get some help if you need some help. 
I do that. That's, that's the joy of studying for me now, and I wish more Christians would approach the Bible that way. Maybe have two Bibles, one where you just have the English text, maybe without verses, mm-hmm. and just read it and enjoy it, but then look for help. So I'm not afraid of study Bibles, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this episode. Right. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate uh, the Reformation study Bible, want people to have it, yeah. but I don't want them to, to miss the joy of discovery and wrestling, if you will. Would you agree? I would completely agree with that. And uh, yeah, I have a, a reader's Bible, you know, without uh, no, uh, yes. numbers and, and chapter divisions and, and just to be able to see the unity of Scripture. I remember um, several years ago, uh, Dr. Ferguson was talking about um, trying to increase biblical literacy. And uh-huh. he, I can't do a good Scottish accent, but he said, <laughs> we need to read great gobs of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. That's, great yeah, gobs. That's a great, great way to gobs. put it. That's good. That's good. I'm also a big fan of those ESV journal. Um, I don't know what they're called. They, it's just one book of the Bible yeah. per, per one journal per book of the Bible. Right. Yeah. And you so get the text on one side and the journal page. I really like those. Yeah. I like those for even the congregation. When we're studying through a book of the Bible, it allows them to write in there and they'll have their Bible and their little study journal. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a wonderful time in Bible publishing mm-hmm. uh, in English and also in many other languages uh, as we're discovering around the world. And sometimes we have to work with uh, different Bible societies and different translations mm-hmm. um, and trying to decide which one to go with. And so that's an interesting project as well. I can um, only imagine. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for being on the Pactum yeah. today. It's been insightful. It's been encouraging. I'm grateful for the Lord's work in your life and through the life of Ligonier. Thank you. I know people can find you on Twitter at Chris Larson, uh, Instagram at Ligonier or www.ligonier.org. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, the Reformation Study Bible has its own site, right? Yeah, that's right. ReformationStudyBible.com would be a great way to learn more if you want to learn more about it. Any Thanks other, so much. Any, yeah. any other way people can get in touch with you? Well, uh, feel free to give us a call at the ministry uh, anytime, and uh, we'd love to be able to serve them and help their church. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for being on. We appreciate it. For all of you who are out there in the Pactumverse and want to get in touch with us on the Pactum, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, all those places. You can be emailing us, connect at thepactum.org. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on the Pactum. Pactum.